Hello, TSF family. Welcome to this Between the Seasons bonus. We are going to be interviewing today animal psychic Hannah from TikTok at bridge.2.connection. Enjoy this interview, and we would like to apologize in advance for any audio issues that are in this episode, as the information she has to present is very good. Enjoy! This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Hello, Anna. Hello, Christina. We have a very special guest here today, don't we? We do. We have Hannah, who is the owner of Bridge to Connection, which is her pet psychic business where she works with clients providing intuitive readings for animals for connection, as well as medical emergencies and other things like that. So we would love to talk to Hannah today about her psychic gifts. Yes. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you. We would love to hear more about you. We've only given you that, you know, that, that brief introduction, know that you have so much more to offer. So tell us a bit about you. We would love to hear. Yeah, I'm hanging out in Indiana. I am in grad school. I worked in public education as a choir teacher for a while. And I have kind of found my way back to my childhood moving in a different way through this animal communication experience that I've really dug into in the last year. I was not expect- expecting a TikTok moment to happen. So it took me by surprise, but I've gotten to connect with a lot of people through this kind of offerings. And it's been really beautiful and really intense. You said really intense. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Describe that how I can only imagine it's very intense. Yeah. People, you know, show up with all sorts of questions and expectations, but also in a very particular you know, emotional state. Sometimes there are our medical scares involved. Sometimes there are new pets or upcoming transitions, moving, new jobs. With the pandemic and the shift for a lot of people working at home, that's definitely changed the dynamic for a lot of households. So depending on where the people are at, a lot of these sessions in interesting and sneaky ways kind of turn into a family system therapy moment for everybody involved. Yes. Yes. I, I have a similar experience with human experiences of transition as well. And it can never, I can, it's always so difficult and human and pet ones happen more often, right. In our lives, right. They have shorter lifespans and that's, that's, yeah, I can imagine that's very, very intense, but also very wonderful that people have that from you, right. That they can, they can kind of rely on, on somebody else for that to give them the insight, right? Because so many times we, we worry that our, our animal is suffering or we, you know, things along those lines. Do you have any insights? So when animals transition and how difficult that can be and uh, what are, what are, do you have any insights for people? Cause I know a lot of people go through this and kind of what are, what are kind of your, your thoughts that, that you have or kind of what comes across from animals as they transition? Yeah. A lot of 
what they are experiencing during those kind of preparatory stages are very specific healing cycles that they're kind of initiating on their own. So with how they communicate that to me, it usually comes across as distancing themselves from constricting language as well as timelines. So specific medical diagnoses, people assuming that they don't want to do activities that they used to be able to, anything like that, they really want to create as much freedom and have help with their human companions with living into as much freedom as possible so that they can kind of start letting some things go even before they transition through the death experience. Wow. That's very profound. I feel like that's Mm -hmm. something that humans could learn. Yes. I feel that way a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. No, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, What has been kind of what, I mean, along those same lines, like what has been kind of your thought about, you know, what, if, if there was something that animals wanted to tell us, right, in general, that they wanted us to know, what, what would that be, Anna? That's a really great question. And I, I have these little, you know, kind of mini categories in my mind sometimes with common things that I've noticed, but overall that they're incredibly committed and really excited to be going through life with us and that it's a lot more inseparable and a lot more entangled than I think we always are aware of. Even in the mundane and in the the boring days, there's all this stuff going on that's really important that we can't see and that we're not always aware of. So that's definitely a big theme as well as experiences like creativity and laughter and things like that. I was, you know, talking to a horse today that was like, I want... (laughs) I want people to joke more. Like I want people to, when they're, you know, around me and witnessing me in vulnerable positions, I want them to still be experiencing light things and kind of create some more buoyancy around things that humans often feel is very heavy and very hard. So I think in that way, a lot of it comes up as how, how we can help balance them and accept them balancing us back as well. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of used to joke that everything I needed to learn about giving birth, I learned from my cat <laughs> because we had a couple cats. Most we had one cat who gave birth to a few litters of kittens. And I used to always watch her, how she was so focused and determined and relaxed. And it was, I just, I feel like my cat set me up to have a really good birth experience because. TV and Hollywood makes it out to be one thing. And the only birth I'd ever actually witnessed was my cat who was so calm and, Mm. and focused. And I just think that she was kind of trying to teach me that. Do you think that animals are in some ways trying to be role models for us? Absolutely. And that's really interesting, actually, that you bring that up. I was recently talking with somebody who was experienced their home birth experience and that mental state of really committing to being present and to really drop in is such a huge part of it. And that's, I think that's amazing that you were getting that from your cat. I totally think that they are, they are leading by example, mainly by being the species that they are existing in. And I think we sometimes resist being human and being primal and being and leaning into all of the gritty stuff and animals don't have all of the same, maybe limitations that we do because of how we think and because of how we've kind of been programmed by our environment. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. You say it that way. I think that's so, that's so insightful, right. To be, to recognize that we still are animals, right. And that we still have primal instincts and everything along those lines. And yet so often we try and convince ourselves to take a greater nature when actually if we lean into our humanness, right. we get somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. To be spiritual is to be human. I, to me, that's been my experience. Yeah, we would agree. We would absolutely mm-hmm. agree. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so when did you discover, how old were you when you discovered you had the ability to communicate with animals in this way? I remember it more, more, poignantly around the age of six, but I did have a cousin recently reach out and let me know that I was much younger when I was telling them I was talking to animals. So around that time, and it was actually the moment that I was finding out through experience that I was very, very allergic to a dog. So it was an intense experience, but the dog was also letting me know that something was going on that I needed to pay attention to. And it was pretty profound at that age. I I was in first grade. So yeah, around six. And it was really intense as a lot of those situations are. And ever since then, I mean, I've, I fluctuated in and out. I think high school, college was kind of a blur of, I don't know if I was, I was really present in a lot of ways during that time, but definitely post my undergraduate experience, especially through working with teenagers, I felt like a lot of access points opened back up and I got to reconnect a lot deeper with some of that stuff. Okay. Well, I, I remember reading that Coco, the gorilla that learned sign language was once told its hand, her handlers that nature is always watching us. And I was wondering if you could go into more detail about what did she mean? Yes. So I, I did drop in to investigate that a little bit because I was curious as well. And I don't normally connect with animals in spirit that I don't have, you know, their person present during that time. So I, I was as no pressure as I could have been with Coke. They were pretty open to talking about it. It it was more along the lines of nature as a, not to get too theological, but kind of along the lines of process theology, where like everything is so interconnected and we are at every moment, a culmination of every single thing we've experienced up to that moment, that nature as a whole breathing entity and one organism is, is looking to the choices that different communities and different systems are making, and then is also making their own choices based off of that. So not necessarily humans do bad thing, earth revolts against humans, not, not in that equation, but in a, we're going to, as a unit, for those of us that are all together and working for the best outcome, we're going to be paying attention and yeah, paying attention to what's going on and how to best respond. And I definitely see that. I I see that in, you know, in climate change and in other natural disasters and things like that going on. So that's how I've interpreted that, but I'm sure there are other ways to take that information. Mm -hmm. Do you think that people who eat meat versus vegetarians, that animals can distinguish like a different vibration and does it feel threatening? I mean, I'm, if we eat meat, is that feel threatening to animals? Like I'm just, I don't know. I, I always go back and forth ethically with wanting to be vegetarian and not being vegetarian. And I just feel like if you were an animal psychic, like what would, what, what do you have to say about this topic? 
Yeah, it's a very, that's a very nuanced conversation for sure. And it's one that I discuss a lot with a lot of people, actually. I have been vegan just for full disclosure. And I, I personally doing this kind of communication work could not consume animal products, but I do understand that there are, there are layers to accessibility and to resources to also always take into account. From the animal's perspective, my animals all noticed when I stopped eating animal products and actually told another communicator friend of mine, like, tell her that her body's working a lot better now. And then that's what she needed to do. And I hadn't told that friend yet that I had made that choice to, to swap. So that I did think that that was interesting. And I have had animals every once in a while mention specific foods that they think are causing problems. And those have always been an animal product, but not necessarily all of them at one time. So I think animals are in some ways, especially cats, I've noticed aware of like food intolerances and allergies a little bit more. And then also, also I've had a horse or two mention food. So I don't know if it's related to that species or maybe their specific connection with their person, but there is definitely a conversation about that going on. And animals don't want to be hurt. Right. Just like us. I mean, yeah, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask a question, Hannah, about the kind of understanding that I came to from, from my perspective of working as a, as a psychic with my clients and things like that is that, you know, I, I kind of saw in, in some ways kind of what you were talking about with the interconnectedness of how everything in nature is interconnected is that I kind of, in some ways see animals as an opportunity, especially domesticated pets who come into our home are kind of the the kind of wild nature elemental kind of aspect coming into kind of our well-ordered space and allowing us to have emotion that we wouldn't have normally. It's allowing us to have like, it allows us to have experiences that we wouldn't normally have. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, to kind of give the context of that, you know, I see our houses and our, our places that we live very much as extensions of our minds. Right. So when we invite an animal into that space, it's kind of like, we're going to let a little bit of mother nature in the wild and kind of the, the emotional aspect, the kind of divine feminine into this space that is, can be relatively orderly and very kind of interpreted. So I'm just curious, do you, can you resonate with that, with what you've talked with, with animals at all? And I, I do my very best to not ever limit in a specific animal or species to like a title, but I will say that a lot of domesticated animals enjoy being disruptors and not for the sake of causing chaos, but to facilitate like an actual raw experience. (laughs) Yeah. And I, it's, it's a good reminder. I mean, we, we have four animals in our home and one of our cats in particular is a consistent disruptor. That's my puppy. Like built in, like shadow prompting, like at all times. It's, I can never get away from it, but I don't think I need to get away from it either. So it's, it's, it is a balancing aspect to have in the home. And elemental wise, I, I resonate with that term a lot. Yes, I, that, that inviting in of nature and, and of the wild is, is a powerful invitation that I don't think we always realize what we're committing to when we make it. But just like with being a parent of human babies, you're, you're showing up every day and you're, you're choosing how to step into that with them and to kind of ride the wave with them instead of, you know, against them or over them. 
I have such a funny story, guys, that relates exactly to this. Like literally it was yesterday I was doing internal family systems on my walk where I was just, just talking in my head to, to God and to myself and different parts about how much I try to control life. And like, I like to keep my house really tidy and clean. And then that is actually an expression of my feeling that God has betrayed the world that like the world is chaotic and the world is, is unpredictable. And that I try to maintain order and cleanliness in my house as my way of saying, no, this world might be crazy, but in my home, it's orderly. So I come into the house after I literally am thinking this and having a whole conversation with God about this and how I'm going to let life be chaotic and let the flow of life back in. And I walk in and as soon as I walk in, I smell dog shit (laughs) and I follow it. And then I'm like on this beautiful oriental rug, our dog, our, our disruptor has shit. And I look at it and usually I'm, I find this, I find it really upsetting because she's disrupted my order. And I looked at, and I just kind of smiled while I'm like kind of laughing to myself. I'm cleaning it up and I'm like, this is life. Like life is unpredictable. This is nature. Nature is chaos. Like I'm going to embrace literally this dog shit on the floor because I feel like she, I feel like on some level, she knew I was having this conversation and she's like, Anna, yes, your house is too clean. Let me disrupt it. (laughs) She's like, I yeah. can help you just fast track this lesson yes. right now. Let's see. Did you really <laughs> learn your lesson? Yes. Yes. So there was nature in, in nature in, in the flesh. <laughs> it is just so true. Right. I remember one of the most profound, like healing experiences when I was first becoming a healer was similar where I went into a vet who was a holistic vet and she did like releases on, on vet. Uh, she did releases mm. on the animals. Right. And she used energy work on the animals. And I came in and I was just like, my animal, my animal. And she was like, hold on, sit down. And she did something on me and the animal completely changed. Like my, my cat completely changed. Right. Like, and it was just like, it helped, they help facilitate. I love that disruptor. They, they facilitate it, whether they're, you know, whether they're making a mess in the house or whether or not they're teaching us like something about the interconnectedness of nature. That's, that's wonderful. I am curious, and unless you have anything else, I would love more, but go ahead. We can go back to it, but I would love, I know that your TikTok moment was around the talk of the inner earth, correct? Mm -hmm. And I have been kind of studying that on the side for a while, because I just think it is an absolutely incredible, it's it's an incredible concept, whether or not it's in physical reality or in the subtle realms, right? And things along Mm -hmm. those lines. So can, can you speak a little bit about that? Whatever, whatever you want to, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say too, that in terms of discerning between physical realms and those subtle realms you were talking about, and some of those other fields, that level of discernment is a gift that I don't claim in this moment as, as knowing the difference between all of those, those layers. I feel like I have an overall sense, but I think there's, there's always more room for nuance with that. I was talking with, in preparation for this conversation, some whales some stingrays, some really big cat species. And then the heron, actually, the blue heron came through today too, to offer a little bit more context around these things. And their overall definitions of time were energetic organization and then dimension as energetic geometry those kind of templates and designs. So yeah. that's kind of the framework. Does that, does that drive with oh you? Oh my Max? God. That's, I love the way you said it, but I literally, 
it, it's so hard to convey, but yes, that's absolutely it, right? Like it's a dimensional understanding of like the geometry of things and then the energy of things is what run things through time. So yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm just excited you said it in that way, but go ahead. Yes. Wonderful. That, no, that makes me happy too. Whenever I'm scribbling things out, I look back and I'm like, huh. I hope this, I hope this makes sense. So in terms of water, water definitely holds more dimensional energy and potential, and it's compounded by pressure. So there are all these different systems going on and it, it kind of blows my mind as we're seeing more images of things being discovered in like the deep sea of they're finding like lakes under bodies of water. So like in the ocean, then there's another level of a lake with its own ecosystem, its own current, its own like it's pressurized differently. So I don't, I can't wrap my head around that, but that, that I think goes to show that we don't even understand the impact of gravity at that level and what's really going on. And then in terms of earth and of inner earth, there is so much, I mean, like archaic timeline stuff going on and it feels really jumbled and it feels really old and really sacred to me. So Overall, what I've gotten from different species about kind of the elemental realms and things like that going on around the topic of inner earth is that it's been hidden for a reason and that there is definitely a, a layer of it regarding a call to action that's kind of in, in waiting. I don't like to think of things in terms of warfare, so that's not really what that, that rings in my head, more of protection of what is sacred, what is fully of the earth, what is completely connected to the heart of earth and what keeps earth like alive. So then when you start talking about like dragons and all these other like, you know, folklore species that we grew up hearing about and seeing in picture books, I think there's more space for some of that to be alive in that sense. Very interesting. That's, that's interesting. And and that's, it, I, it's interesting you say that because when I tune into it, I get kind of a similar feeling about it is that it's in some ways, if, if I were to then translate it into the human experience, right? Like the human levels that I can read, right? The inner earth is the inner part of us. It's the inner community that's, that's timeless and, and without borders in the same way, right? It doesn't have countries. It doesn't have the kind of same delineation and separation that we've created and thinking of it for us as a physical place almost allows us to, to transcend our barriers in which we're like, Oh, that can't be, or right. We, right. there's no, there's no utopia. There's no paradise. There's no thing that it's going to be like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it helps to bridge that gap of, of allowance in a lot of ways of, of allowing it to be able to, to, to bloom in our minds as something that's bigger. So that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And that you mentioning that focus on community, I think that's so important. And we're seeing the impacts of not leaning into community now because we are in such a hyper-individualized, very competitive, solitary world. And not just because of, of COVID, but I think things have been heightened through that lens of you know, is it every person for themselves or are there new and creative ways for us to exist in a bigger system that is liberating for everybody involved and supportive of everybody involved? So feeling that sense of, of true, equal, equitable community in the inner earth realms is to me incredibly empowering. And it actually makes me feel calm. It doesn't really scare me at all. It makes me feel very settled in my body. For someone who knows nothing about middle earth or what you guys are talking about, can you kind of explain this? <laughs> 
I'm sure your <laughs> audience, yeah. I'm sure there's so people good. listening or like, what? As I am. Yeah, there's a lot of just as a, a lot of these topics are based off of folklore and very old stories of there being communities and systems either underground in a sense or actually like near the core of the earth. That's where a lot of, of I'm thinking very, you know, Lord of the Rings-esque things that we think of. But these species and communities, hybrids, like all these different creatures that exist and thrive within their own kind of village life is what I see actually under the surface of the earth. But do, um, how do they have, like, they wouldn't they need sunlight? Right. There are a lot of questions. Christina, did you want to say something? <laughs> I know. I mean, I can, I can kind of contribute to this, Hannah, if, if, but you're, I don't yeah. want to. Yeah. No, um, go for it. So, so Jules Verne in his book, Journey to the Sun of the Earth, describes it in the most detail. And, and there is, apocryphal stories about how his story in particular is actually not a story of fiction. It's actually a story of reality that there were people who, who could basically effectively go down these volcano tubes, things like that, in order to be able to go into the center of the earth and that it has its own ecosystem and it has its own, effectively its own sun that is powered by electrical currents, just like all of our suns are, as I would say our suns are. And so they do have their own sun. They do have their own sky. And it's not like having a ceiling. It's not like being inside a cave, right? Like it is big and large and doesn't necessarily have the limitations we could imagine if we're trying to think of like being inside an enclosed space. It's not like that at all. It's different. It's very different. If I tune into it, it's a very different feeling, but yes. Well, if you, if you've ever seen or read the hunger games, and I'm not saying that that's what I'm imposing on our world's reality, but that experience of they're existing in, like you said, a full ecosystem. And it looks like they're, you know, whether or not there's a firmament of some sort, it looks like they're, they're looking up into an endless sky. It really is completely free and open, even though it's in some physical way contained to a certain extent. So there's some, I think some tension with that. And a lot of you know, scientifically minded people would have a lot more questions than I would too about how that would work. But yeah, I think that's a good way of describing it. The emphasis on the ecosystem. Cool. Interesting. Go forward so, with your questions, Anna. You okay. have a whole bunch of questions. Yeah. I had some, a lot of questions. So I love watching your TikToks where you talk about different com- conversations you've had with different animals And one of the questions I had, like, you know, you talk to a rat and I was thinking, what about like insects? Do you converse with insects? And then like, how would that be if you walk into a house that's infested? Like, I'm just kind of curious how this gift plays out in your day-to-day life. Yes. I have a lovely story about a bat in my home that speaks to this. Not currently in my home, but I, in my old home, there was a bat that in my very much in need of being replaced windows, the double paned ones got in between. So if I ever opened the window, he could get right in. I named him Cornelius. He was very handsome. And every day he would kind of come in there around the same time. And it didn't really make sense, the timing that he stayed there, but it was at an incredibly transformative time in my life. A lot of things were changing. I was deciding to change careers. I was discovering and stepping into my sexuality. I was making all these huge changes and bats are definitely harbingers of a lot of those darker parts of transformation that require 
overcoming fear. So instead of freaking out about potentially getting rabies, I decided to really talk with him the best that I could at that time. And I actually made kind of a contract with him where I said, you know, if you're here because you're scared or there's something that you're hiding from, let's figure out maybe another place that would be safe. But, uh, you know, in three or four more days, I can't remember the timeline that I agreed upon with him. You, you can't stay here anymore. You no longer have consent to be invading, you know, my space in that way. And within that timeline, he never came back again. And it was really empowering. And he did, I think I saw him actually come by another day. He didn't stay, but it was, it was really interesting and unique. And with insects, I have mostly when I've been camping, which I love to tent camp and daddy long legs will get literally anywhere. I don't know if you guys have had that experience before, but they just slowly find their way into everything, which I'm not particularly scared of them, but there was one that was getting a little too close for comfort. So I've had moments where I've been able to negotiate. And then if I feel safe, I actually have a conversation and especially spiders are so calm and wise and they have the most like beautiful elder energy. I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty incredible. I haven't talked to a lot of smaller insects up to this point, but yeah, they all have their own medicine and perspective. And I think it's really, when you're thinking in terms of being in a community, they are a part of our community and they're doing big things for that community. So I think their, their insight is pretty, is pretty neat. And I'm obsessed with bees. Bees are like the coolest thing in the world. Absolutely. Have you found that the kind of traditional indigenous views of animal medicine aligns with what you found? Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah, I've had, yeah, I haven't been surprised at all either. And I've, I try really hard to not like look things up before entering into a conversation, especially with a new species. I try to really be as, as blank of a slate as is possible, but I've had really profound experiences with different species, both in person, but then also just through you know remote communication. And whenever I read stories or am, you know, cross-referencing other indigenous literature, it's, it's always aligned and really, really affirming, but it's like, I don't know. It's just always a good reminder that your first instinct is usually like what you need to allow yourself to experience. (laughs) We were wondering if maybe you could give our listeners an example of the kind of work you do. Would you be willing to talk to our animals? Totally. Yeah. All right. I'd love to. So do you need to see mine? I have a pug here named Iman. He is, you know, I feel like we have animals that come into our life because they come in through circumstance and then some animals feel like soulmates. Do you know what I mean? Some, Uh you just, sometimes you have, you might have 10 cats, but one of them felt like it was just meant for you. And this dog, I feel like has come into my life. He came into my life in the most magical way. The story of how he, I, he came into my life is amazing. And he's been a, a really important part of my life. So this is, I believe my soulmate dog. So I'll introduce you here. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'd love to see him. I don't have to, but I would love to. This is Iman. Oh sure at all. And everybody on the pod, and all the podcast <laughs> listeners should, will hear his, his, his coughing, but I've taken him to many vets and they tell me it's benign. Okay. And that's, him. oh my gosh. What and, a well, and this is the, this is the disturber, the, whatever you call it. Disruptor. disruptor yeah. <laughs> That's the disruptor over there. And I love you what's, just as much. <laughs> cookie. What's the disruptor's name? Oh, cookie. 
cookie. Cookie. Perfect. Okay. All right. So Iman. Wow. Yeah. And I, the soulmate for sure. I, I understand those differences and connections with animals for sure. Yeah. He's like, so comfortable with you that it's like you guys could have endless like inside jokes and not even have to actually say anything to each other. Like, you know, communicate with a look and you're like, oh yeah, okay. I know where you're going with this. So he's very familiar with you on a soul level, but also in terms of your, your cadence and your language and your movement, like he feels like he really understands your state of being and like your cues. He feels like he reads you really, really well. Can I ask how old he is? He was born in either 2007 or eight. I didn't, I wasn't, I was given him when he was about a year old in 09. So I think he is like 15-ish, about 15 years old. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. He feels like, I don't know how many physical moves you've had with him, but he feels responsible for the planning of a lot lot of your transitions. He feels like he was, you know, I like to say like part of the planning committee. It's like, you guys all sat down and we're like, okay, what are we going to do? I think he, he felt included in a lot of, of those discussions. Yeah. Is there anything specific you would like to ask him about? Okay. I think he's really jealous of the new dog, the disruptor cookie. And I just kind of want to know, I feel like I'm not protecting him properly from her rowdiness. And, and I want him to know that she's not my favorite just because she gets more attention for being a disruptor, mm-hmm. you know, and I just kind of want to, I just want to feel things out with him. Like, is there anything I can do that I'm not doing to make him just feel more loved? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And what he's, what he's actually describing with cookie isn't necessarily I mean, it might be on the spectrum of jealousy, but another big part of it is that their definitions of respect are really different. I'm going to cough for a second. Oh, she's disrespectful to him. Yeah. And that their, their boundaries are of course, incredibly different for a variety of reasons. You have age, timeline, all of those things, but her concept of, of personal space and what it actually means to be present with somebody. It's like, you have to be like present, like in somebody like <laughs> she, we joke that she's a Leo. Cause she's just like, look at me, look at me. Yeah. That's her. I love that. I, all those Leo moons represent, I'm right there with you, but yeah, that, that, ex, that very different physical, like boundary unsettling. I think that's more, more of what Imam, Iman's experiencing. And then also, I don't, I don't want to limit your animals to human love languages, but quality time is definitely up there for Iman. Mm -hmm. So that shift has been impactful. And I think, I always think again, with, with having a human baby, it's like, things are always having to recenter and reset themselves. You're always having to adjust to that difference in time and resources. So as you're already, I'm sure, very intuitively picking up on what's going on, I think as Cookie actually gains more confidence, because I think a lot of what's going on with Cookie is some confidence building that she's kind of working out of like how to be- She just winked at me when you said that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) How to be herself without having to like, overcompensate by, you know, getting that response out of people and like getting feedback from people all the time. Like she can find that in herself. And I think she's working that out on her own. She has some agency in that, but 
Yeah, that's definitely a lot of what's coming up surrounding that situation. Does that does that yeah, make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Is there just, I guess, is there anything he would like me to know? You know, anything, food, diet, medicine, just anything that I should know that I'm not picking up on. Um, food, medicine. Yeah. Okay. Does he hate so, my husband? No, I'm just kidding. No, but it's, he's actually talking more about water than food. Like the experience of drinking water is like really funny to him and like weird. Have you noticed like his body language while drinking water? Okay. No, but he's really weird about water. Really weird about water. Like there's a dish upstairs that for some reason he wants me, I have to carry him up the stairs now because he's older. He, he specifically wants to drink out of this one container of water and I haven't figured out why. Yeah. Yeah. He's really actually not giving me a lot of information on food. So I, I was wondering if it was in response to food of like, he's feeling like it's making him a little thirstier for some reason. He's not really saying that though with water. So how his face, and I know he has like the flatter face. He's actually pointing more to his nose than his face, but actually drinking water, like having freedom and not being blocked while drinking water is I think a part of what's going on. I'm not sure what the bowl is like that he's drinking. Is he drinking more frequently out of a deeper bowl? It's deeper, but it's smaller. Okay. I'm wondering if it's less, if it's putting a little bit less pressure on his. Should I get him like one of those water fountain things? You know, I've seen them for cats. Would that work? Yeah. I mean, I just got one for my cats and my dogs drink out of it all the time. So you could try that. I think Having his face, having freedom while drinking is definitely important to him. So even if it is smaller, I think that it's deeper. He doesn't feel like he's being pressed up against it. I do think that's part of it, but I think there's something else going on with the water too. Would it be helpful if I elevated it? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Well, yeah, you, that would be one potential, especially as he ages, just so he's not having to, to manipulate his body as much. Um, and like the pro like water is emotional to him, like like allowing different forms of physical nourishment is like, an, is an emotional experience for him. And there's a little bit of resistance around the support that water brings. Like he says that he sometimes seem it seems like he forgets to drink water, but he's actually like putting it off. He'll wait till yeah. nighttime and then he'll drink water a lot at night. Like he won't drink it during the day. And then he's very Sorry. thirsty at night. Yeah. Which is, which is interesting. Cause then also at night, like, does he have to use the restroom a lot? Sometimes he'll wake me up to do that. Yeah. yeah. But, okay. but for the most part, like he won't drink out of the water downstairs. He wants to go upstairs and he sleeps upstairs. So usually he drinks the majority of his water upstairs. Okay. Yeah. I would, I would potentially explore some other options with, with ha- well, with having more options of how to drink water and see what he prefers if it's a depth thing or if the fountain would be helpful and those fountains are naturally elevated like where the water's coming out so that might kind of be a twofold solution depending on how he responds to it okay water being safe I think is an important like there's something really emotionally triggering about water in general for him hmm. I know you guys have done like some past life work before for yourselves. And I, I know there's, there was some conversation, I think about him being in a past life. It, it just feels more like it's in that realm. In okay. Terms maybe of he drowned a in a past life or something. Potentially. Or, yeah. Or, or died of dehydration or something. Okay. 
I'll, I'll see if I can figure that out and just provide them with different water ideas. <laughs> Thank you. So that, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I like just to interject because I've just been loving watching this whole thing is that, you know, one of the, the, the things of, of what came to my mind was rabies because rabies makes you hydrophobic. It makes you afraid of water, right? Like you die from yes, dehydration. Yeah. So there's just something, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. You should, you should explore that's, it. Anna. That's great. I'll explore it. I'll that explore is interesting. It. We had Angsley McLeod on the show as a past life psychic. And he said, one way you can help children sort out their past life trauma is just to tell them a story. So maybe I can just tell him a story about a dog who died of rabies or thirst. And that now in this life, he's okay. And maybe that will help like a child, mm-hmm. like it, as it would for a child, maybe any way of externalizing safety, I think is great of, of being able to, from different perspectives, let them know. I I mean, a lot of animal communicators will really emphasize talking out loud to your animals, like they are people. And I am totally on board with that. I, I also, in addition to that, like other practices to help animals get into their bodies, especially because unfortunately we impose a lot of our anxiety on them. So they're not always equipped to process it effectively. So like putting your hand on their chest and their back at the same time and like getting on their level can be really helpful so that you're not above them in an authority position, but you're with them, like going through it and sitting with them in it. Okay. I think that's really great too. Okay. So like when he's drinking water, maybe I should drink some water on the ground with him. Whatever. If that feels good, I think that'd be great. And I also think you should record you doing that. (laughs) I completely agree, Hannah. I can't on the pet psychic said I needed to make him more comfortable with water. And as my husband will walk by and wonder what the hell I'm doing now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, can I ask about my dog keys? I'm only going to ask one question. So he passed through here. He's right now with a clan, a clan of dogs is with his posse mm-hmm. outside, but, and you can hear them right now barking in the background. <laughs> uh, is there anything that he would like to tell me? Yeah. Okay. You said Keith. Keys is in like piano keys. Keys. Okay. Oh, that's a great name. That's a first on that name. He is really, he likes to describe himself as eccentric and she's, she's left. So in terms of that, like to expand on the disruptor, like title, I'm like to add a little bit more complexity to it. He really enjoys being able to witness and also like initiate very wide ranges of human emotion and like reaction, like both in like very little silly ways, but also like he likes being there for the deep stuff too. He's, he's into that. I'm loving watching your face during this too. So in that he, yeah, he, he really enjoys like humans. Like he kind, you know, he, he enjoys being in a room filled with kind of like raucous activities and laughter and like, you know, like table communion of like you guys connecting over that kind of stuff. And he feels like he's kind of, you know, a major host in that with you guys, like that he has his own job and like takes it really seriously and also thinks he does a really great job. Like he's the employee of the month, every month. He is. He so <laughs> is. Just to give you an example, we had this crazy, which is kind of, if you may hear, hear some background noise, we had this like impromptu manifestation party where basically a friend of ours with a chainsaw and a friend of ours with, I mean, talking about harming things, but a friend of ours with a chainsaw and friends of ours with an excavator just came over and basically cleared this acre of land that we had that we've been trying to kind of get back 
into the thing. The whole time Keys is down there like, you guys doing okay? Everybody doing okay? All right, there's the excavator. There it goes. I'm going to go up to the chainsaw guard. Are you guys okay? Are you okay? He's just yep. like, he's just like, he is 100% the host. And it's funny because I, I definitely try and, and like, stop being, okay, we need to be a less, a little less enthusiastic of a host because people mm. don't want you to jump on him and things like that. But like, I, eccentric is such a good, good term at all. I mean, all of that, that was spot on. Thank you. I appreciate that. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Employee of the month. You need to get a, a little framed, framed, oh, I so do. put a frame photo of him and that says employee of the month. <laughs> I so do. It's so funny too, because like whenever he's so intelligent and yet he doesn't, I can tell, I know on, on whatever level I can, t- I can sense pets. I can tell that he does not appreciate human rules for animals, if that makes sense. Right. Like he doesn't appreciate like leash laws. He's like, what do I need this for? Like, I don't need this. Like, I'm totally fine. We, we went on vacation and there was like four days. We were at a place where it was like, you're only allowed to be off leash. And he got out a couple of times and he always just went to the same place. Cause he was like interested in the other animals and wanted to kind of, you know, see them and not necessarily do anything. And it was just like, you could tell that his contempt for like being held to a set of rules that he just was like, I don't need these. I'm good. You're fine. Don't, don't, don't hold me to that standard. I'm fine. Anyway. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> he appreciates you trusting him and like actually allowing him to, to step into that role, how he wants to, cause he knows that he does a good job of it, but that being like, you know, amplified by how you also host and how you welcome people and you guys mirror each other really well in that way. Awesome. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. I really appreciate Thank you, that. Hannah. That is so cool. So for any listeners here who have a pet, do you have any like final words of advice for them? (laughs) Commit to the family and allow yourself to make mistakes and then to change. Just like you allow your animals that grace too. We're always learning more about ourselves and then that's reflected in our relationships with every other being around us. So yeah, leaving a lot of space for your relationships with your animals to really shift as you also recognize developmentally that they might be going through something and their needs are changing too. And then on the flip side of that, have a lot of fun with your animals. And when they are reminding you of their wildness and of their disruption and of all of those little complexities, let yourself actually experience it. And this is something that I have to remind myself to do every day too, with my own animals. When my three-year-old standard poodle that may or may not be from outer space is like, Hey, we're going to have a dance party right now. I have to create a minute for me to have a dance party and let myself do that. Yeah. So let yourself receive with your animals. It's a good gift for everybody. That's so good. I I didn't, I actually was tempted to ask that question because I'm convinced that cockroaches are from outer space or like are aliens that are interdimensional beings, because that's the only way that they could appear and not appear in like magical places in the way that they do. So the fact that you have a poodle from outer space just totally like validates that for me right there. (laughs) Well, I want to say to our audience listeners that if you're interested in getting an animal session with Hannah, her website is, oh, should I come to the end of this yet? Do we have anything else to add? So for any of our listeners, if you're interested in booking a session with Hannah to learn more about your animal or your relationship with your animal, you can check out her website at www.bridge-2-connection.com where she offers 30, 45, and 60-minute sessions. For return clients, she even has a 15-minute emergency check-in. And we will have links to her website in our bio as well as her TikTok. So thank you so much for coming, Hannah. 
talking to Thank us Thank you today. guys so much. This yeah. was really a lovely conversation. Yeah. And I'm definitely yes. going to go get on all fours and give my doggy some water after this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Amazing. Send us the video. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thanks, ladies. Everybody. Have yeah, a great night. Bye. 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 If you'd like to contact Hannah for a session, you can contact her on her website, which is www.bridge-2-connection.com. Thanks so much, and we'll see you for our IG Live replay next week in another Between the Seasons bonus. Thanks so much. Let me tell you all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover. Hello, TSF family. It's Christina here. In our journey of self-discovery, Anna and I have explored numerous tools and processes, just as many of you have during this TSF journey with us. The community of beautiful souls we've connected with both energetically and in reality is truly awe-inspiring. Thank you for being a part of it. Now, I invite you to join me this fall in 2023 for my Zoom course, Redeeming Your Inner Villain Transformation Circle. Over the past year, I've channeled and undergone a transformational journey in redeeming my inner villainy, which I'll talk about later this season. But we'll be shifting in this course our perspective to recognize our role in villainizing the aspects of ourselves that perpetuate the drama triangle, both internally and externally. This process has enabled me to unravel and love parts of myself that once villainized, my neurodivergence, my maladaptive behaviors, among other things. Embark on this journey of self-love with me. I am currently offering free 30-minute exploration calls for those interested in this opportunity or who just want to catch up. Visit www.chriswilsey.com and click begin my quest to schedule your call. And remember, our TSF family receives a special 10% discount on this course when you choose to sign up. Join me in redeeming your inner villain and embracing self-love like never before. Don't miss this chance to transform your perspective and your life. Visit www.chriswiltsy.com today. Thanks, y'all.